Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves. The saga of Bumble, the Berger Picard, and his breeder, Donna Beetle, captured the heart of the world. Bumble spent 10 days lost and alone in the Nevada desert. Donna found Bumble Tuesday evening, January 17th. I spoke to Donna about her heroic efforts on Thursday. Tragically, Bumble succumbed to his weakened condition on Friday evening. And while the ultimate ending of this epic journey is heartbreaking, Donna's story is one everyone should hear, in her own voice. It speaks of grit and determination and the kindness of strangers. It is the story of all of us and our dedication to our breeds, our dogs, and our community. If you are part of a national breed club in the U.S. or Canada, I need you to listen up. My partners at TruePanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet, have just launched a super exciting National Breed Club referral program. I mean, I'm saying, you guys have heard me talk about TruePanion's breeder support program before, and this is what gives you access to a special coverage offer for your litters that waives waiting periods for your puppies when you send them home. Now you can partner with TruePanion directly to share this incredible free program with the breeders in your club. And the best part, your club earns sponsorship support in return for every member that joins the program. It's pretty much of a win-win, guys. If you're interested and want to learn more, head to my partner page at puredogtalk.com and click on the link at TruePanion. This is a big story, you guys. I know most of us have followed this on social media. Most of us have been worried sick and then finally absolutely relieved when Donna Beetle found Bumble, the Berger Picard, in and around Wells, Nevada over the last couple of weeks. And so Donna has been gracious enough to come share her story of Bumble's rescue and some of her tips that she would offer to you guys in the horrible event that somebody else should have to go through this, which tends to happen. So welcome, Donna. We appreciate it. Hi. How are you doing today? I am well. Much better now than I was probably a few ago. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that's a pretty safe bet. And how is Bumble? More important than anything else. I know he's still at the vet. How's he doing? He is doing well. I got a call this morning. It's snowing here today. So we are waiting to go up until a little bit later, mm-hmm. but he's doing better. He's eating more today. He is on entice to try to get him to eat. Mm-hmm. They were going to pull blood again today to see how his liver values and his sugar and everything are looking. Mm-hmm. So I haven't heard back on that. I went and visited him yesterday and he is a rack of bones and very thin, but in okay spirits, knew me, came right to me, put his head in my lap, but it's going to be a road to recovery for sure. Yeah, it is. That's a long time to be out. So talk to us, Donna. Give us a little backstory on you before we get into Bumble's story. 
How did you start in Purebred Dogs? How did you wind up in Picards? Tell us a little bit about that. So I've been showing and breeding dogs for oh, probably at least 23 years now. I started with German Shepherd Dogs back in oh. the day, like right after college. I'm just a huge animal lover in general. Bred them for a very, very long time. Honestly, just got really tired of all the issues in the breed with the health issues and such. And just happened upon the Berger Picard. I'm a UKC judge and you could show them in UKC. Mm -hmm. So I stumbled upon their standard and I'm like, wow, this is kind of like similar to a shepherd, you know, had the pricked ears and stuff, a little different in confirmation. But I was like, that's a pretty neat dog. And at the time I was still breeding German shepherds and there was only one breeder here in the States and they were like, just not a reputable breeder. They had Mm -hmm. gotten a couple of dogs from overseas thoroughbred race people that just were like, hey, this looks like a cool breed. They didn't do any health testing, which is very important to me. And I just kind of put it on the back burner. So when the movie Because of Winn-Dixie came out, which everybody knows the Picard from, I knew what the dog was. Like I was one of the few that went to the movie theater and knew what the dog was just because I was like, wow, that's really cool. Luckily enough, a friend of mine who speaks French and was in Beauceron's decided to bring a few, like really start to import them into the U.S. After the movie, obviously, there was a lot of people that had figured out what the dog was in the movie and wanted them. And she told me, she's like, hey, I'm going to start bringing a couple of these dogs over. I think they're kind of neat. And she goes, I know that you like them. And I'm like, I do. But I kind of kept it on the back burner still because I was breeding the shepherds at the time. And I'm not somebody that wants to have a million dogs. I want to have a good breeding program, but I didn't want to have that many So my friends started importing them here and a club started and my UKC club at the time actually hosted the first Berger Picard show in the country. Oh, wow. Because my friend had asked me if I would do it. And I said, yes. And that's when the Berger Picard club was born. You know, they started in UKC and then they went for AKC recognition after that. But I've been part here. A lot of people don't know that from the beginning. and my friend decided to get out of the breed and I purchased her first three dogs that she imported. And she set me up beautifully, Mm -hmm. very nice dogs that I got. And I owe a lot of our successes to her. So I've been breeding them now for, oh, it's got to be at least 12, 13 years. I ceased breeding German Shepherds. I really wanted to focus in on one breed and Mm -hmm. help them from the beginning and get a really good base of dogs here in the United States. I think that's important, especially with a rare breed and a new breed to AKC that we started out on the right foot. So temperament and health are very important to me, as well as confirmation. Right. I thought I could benefit the breed just with the fact that I had been showing and breeding for so long before this. Absolutely. And I think that that's something many of the rare breed fanciers need and desire. We all have to pick our own rare breed to raise up, right? We picked phobes, so I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah, it's good to have people that have a little bit of dog knowledge. A lot of the people that came into the breed came into it because of a movie. And sometimes that's a good thing and sometimes it's not. So where I can be a help to the breed, I felt like me having more dog knowledge than maybe some of the other folks, it would help them. Well, in club knowledge and structure and you know stuff like that that you have as a judge, as someone who's been around a while. That's valuable. Yep. For sure. Awesome. Yep. So segue, next paragraph, talk about Bumble. 
Bumble was being transported. That's what I know. So share what you can share about what started this whole journey adventure fiasco. (laughs) So Bumble, Bumble was number one AKC owner handled dog last year, handled by my husband. Nice dog. And he was retiring from that. And we had a junior handler that we had said, you know, if you want to use him for juniors, that'd be a great dog. He's got a great temperament for a Picard. Sometimes they can be a little interesting. (laughs) Well, he didn't get along with their cat. He's a Picard and he wasn't raised with cats. So Mm -hmm. that wasn't going too well. And so I talked to my friend, Grace Thomas out in California, and she loves Bumble. And I was like, you know, Grace, if you want to show him out in California, we can co-own him and you can breed her to, she has another Picard from me. She's Mm -hmm. a bull terrier, but she has a Picard from me, a female. He'd make a great for her down the line, you know, and she was like all in. She's like, yeah. So I put her on the paperwork. And so my transporter, and this is a transporter I've used mostly through COVID, like a trusted person, but she had an assistant with her that was helping. So I did not know that person, but they picked up Bumble in Kansas where he was with the junior and she had two other dogs on her van that were mine. One that was a pregnant bitch that I had bred for somebody in California and also a male that needed to get to the Portland, Oregon shows that was Mm going to go to another friend of mine to send up to Portland. So this assistant, I guess, went to take Bumble out at the Flying J in Wells and either missed putting the slip lead on Mm -hmm. and Bumble was loose. Mm -hmm. And then he proceeded to chase him, which is the worst thing you can do when a dog gets loose and chased him for nine minutes. Mm -hmm. So around the Flying J on Wells. Wells is a small town. I've been at that Flying J. Oh, God, yes. Yes. I didn't tell the woman that I usually work for that this was happening. I don't know if she had gone in to go to the bathroom or what and chased Bumble off. He went out of sight and such. So this happened on a Friday night and they called me, but I was already sleeping. I go to bed really early. So I didn't find out till I woke up in the morning and checked my voicemail messages. And I was beside myself. Like I couldn't believe it was Bumble because Bumble is such a sweet dog, like easy, but you know, he's with strangers and things happen, right? Mm -hmm. I got on the next flight. Wells isn't close to really anything. So (laughs) Salt Lake City, all their flights were sold out. Twin Falls didn't really have anything going on. And so I flew into Boise, Idaho. Mm -hmm. And where do you live, Donna, specifically from where? I'm from outside of Minneapolis, Minnesota. There you go. Yeah. So I was able to get a nonstop flight to Boise, but the flight was leaving. I was at my house at nine o'clock and the flight was leaving at 1030 and I was able to get on it. I threw whatever. I didn't even know what I packed. I just threw whatever was in it. And my house is a good 30, 35 minutes from the airport. So I just hauled to the airport and made my flight. Luckily, I have clear and I'm a sky priority Delta Mm -hmm. person. And I was able to get on the flight and get here. At that point, they had a sighting of Bumble at the Wells Airport, which is a little small regional, you know, municipal airport, actually. So they kind of had him, you know, the people in Wells were great when they found out about it because they had started posting stuff on the community pages and such. They had kind of got him into the airport area Mm -hmm. and the airport is surrounded by barbed wire, but he was respecting the fence line. So he was staying within the airport. So, you know, here's me like I'm driving, you know, I get to Boise 
rent a car. It's a long way from Boise to Wells. I've driven that too. <laughs> and I was hauling 95, 100 miles an hour. You know, people are like, be safe. I'm like, no, it doesn't matter right now. I need to get my dog. You know, and here's me, naive me, who had never really lost a dog in a strange area, thinking, oh, he's just going to come straight to me, right? Like, this is no problem. I get there. We get the dog. It's, it's a done deal. <laughs> if I could tell anyone who hasn't lost a dog, that's not the case at no. all, at all. No. So I get to the airport in Wells and I get out of the car and they still had eyes on him. There was quite a few people out there that were just trying to keep him in the airport. Mm. So here I am. I'm like, saunter on up and I'm going to catch my dog, right? No, that's not really what happens because they're in flight mode, you know, and there's so many people I heard on Facebook. Well, why wouldn't he just come to you? Well, yeah, we all thought that, but that's not how it works. When a dog has been chased, they're not thinking properly. They just aren't in the same frame of mind that they are when they're at home and your pet. So... I had eyes on him for about an hour, kind of walked around the airport. I did every trick that is known to man. Like you get down on your knees, you throw yourself on the floor and start crying. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't call their name, which is a thing that people don't understand. They're like, why couldn't you just call his name? That's actually the last thing you want to do is call a dog's name. So, you know, I'm singing, I'm screaming, I'm doing everything else. but calling this dog's name and he's not coming to me. He didn't know it was me. He looked at me. I don't know if he knew, but it, I was more interesting than anybody else that tried to catch him. Mm -hmm. But he wasn't coming to me. There was no two ways about it. The area is all sagebrush and there's a lot of snow on the ground. So I'm not going to catch him running after him. There's no way. He's a lot bigger than I am and he can go a lot quicker than I can. So, you know, it started getting dark and we set up a trap for him. The local sheriff in Wells had a trap. So we set that up, put food in it, covered it at the time, which I guess now I'm hearing that you don't cover the cage. These are things right. that I learned. And we called it a night. So we were hoping he'd stay at the airport. Well, he didn't. And looking back at it, I wish I would have just parked my car at the entrance of the airport. But that doesn't mean he couldn't have got out somewhere else or I was fall asleep. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the woulda, coulda, shoulda, like yeah. should have I done this? I wasn't versed in lost dogs at that point. The only dogs I've ever had get lost were at my house and they were right outside my fence. So they didn't get lost. So he was gone. Mm -hmm. I had gone out the next morning early to check the trap. And I had a feeling he was still not at the airport. He wasn't in the trap. But, you know, we started cooking because that's the thing mm -hmm. they tell you to do. And I will tell you, I hate the smell of liquid smoke because I've used so much liquid smoke over the last 10 days, 11 days. I never want to smell that stuff again, but you got to get stinky, smelly right. stuff in the air so that they start to move it. The cool thing is, is the sheriff was like, you can use the runway of the airport. We drove down the runway, which is an FAA offense, but they were like, it's fine. Nobody ever flies into this airport in the winter anyway. The last time we had seen him was down in the corner, a far corner of the runway. And there was a little area off of that. So we were able to set up our trap down there to see if he would come back over there. And like I was cooking out there, I had hot dogs, we had liquid smoke all around. But my gut gave me the feeling that he wasn't in that area anymore. So in the meantime, Grace, the co-owner, I mean, Grace is a force. She was doing all this stuff that I couldn't, I was on the ground here. But she was doing all the posting on Facebook. And our friend Chris was really helpful too, who had the dog that was pregnant that the transporter had as well. And I'd sent the transporter off and said, get this dog to, she needs to get 
to her new place. They were great. They were doing everything. Grace was contacting a trapper and a tracker to try to get the dog that way. So like she was instrumental. Everybody talks about me because I was on the ground and everybody hears it. But Grace was incredible with this too. And the people of Wells, like I'm right now at Nikki's house, who was a huge help to us trying to catch Fumble. And then also another girl here named Christy. And there's countless others as well. Like, I just don't know everybody's name. But we got Jamie with Ladies in the Trap involved in this as well. And she's out of Boise. And all of these organizations are nonprofits. Like, they do this because they're passionate about animals. Mm -hmm. So Jamie got in her car, got out here to help us. And I will tell people, like, if you are looking for a lost pet, especially if you're in a place that you don't know, hire professionals or get involved, you know, whether you can hire them or not. Mm -hmm. They are a wealth of information. They know so much more. Like I know a lot about dogs, but I don't know a lot about lost dogs and like what to do and not to do. So they came and they brought their trap as well, advised me on getting stuff out into the community as much as possible. Signs are Mm -hmm. huge putting lost dog signs up because not everybody is on social media, especially in the town here. We have a Indian colony as well. Like a lot of people, the signage is big. So we put signs, you know, I went to the truck stops and was like, can I put a sign in your door? Because maybe a trucker will see him Mm -hmm. on the road or whatever. Mm -hmm. The key is to getting sightings. Right. Get a triangulation. Yeah. So we didn't know where he went after he was at the airport. We couldn't tell. So the next sightings are actually all where he stayed. Mm -hmm. So he went across town. He took one road. There's one road from the airport, 6th Street. It's the frontage road to Mm -hmm. I-80 that goes all the way to the other side of town into a a town called Beverly Hills. Mm -hmm. He was actually found in Beverly Hills. We use Wells because nobody knows where Beverly Hills is. Right. So we were getting sightings on that side of town, which is probably a good five to six miles away. I think that's one of the biggest things. People have no idea how far these dogs can go. Yeah. I mean, they can run a lot quicker than we can. And he was chased. There was a lot of commotion at the airport. So he was getting away from the commotion. We had one sighting in the town of Wells around the Wagon Wheel Motel where Mm -hmm. there's a laundromat. He was behind that. But that was on his way. He was going across town for some reason. That was Mm -hmm. where he was seen after that. All the sightings were. There was a sighting on I-80, which was very scary. But all of them were on that frontage road in that area, which there's a big ranch out that side Mm -hmm. of it. So he was seen there. So that's where we started to really look at our efforts was, Mm -hmm. okay, we had about three or four sightings out in that area. The funny part was, is there was a home that raised border collies, um, oh. ranch border collies. So I didn't know if maybe he found comfort in right. hearing those dogs. Right. We have two border collies as right. well. Smells like home. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you hear the barking, you know, we have barking at our house because we own mm-hmm. Bears, Jeep, cards and they bark and the border collies. So we were focusing efforts there. I happened upon his first prints the first time I was out there. There was this cattle underpass that got out to the cattle fields on the other side of I-80. And we were looking all around that area because that's where all the sightings were. And there was a snowbank from all the snow that was coming off of I-80. And we were going to cook out there and put 
liquid smoke out there and we were putting my scent items out in that area, things that smelled like me mm-hmm. and also his blanket that was right. in his transport. We were doing all that and I happened to look down and there's his tracks. And I was like, he's here or he was here. And it was literally right next to my boot. And, you know, we were doing other stuff. So we weren't looking for tracks at that time. I mean, I couldn't say 100% they were his, but they were big and they were far apart and they were dog. And I'm like, I think these are his tracks. And we were like, okay, we followed them and they went up onto the interstate. And the one thing that's heartbreaking when you're looking for a dog, I had to drive that interstate every day to see if I found a dead body. Like every day we drove the interstate mm-hmm. and we stopped, talked to the state troopers, Nevada dot, have any dogs been hit on the interstate? Mm-hmm. The one nice thing is there was no reports of a hit dog or a dog that had been deceased on the highway. But I mean, that's just heartbreaking to do every day. Cause you're like looking for your dead dog. So the next thing Grace did, cause Grace is a force is she hired a tracker And the gentleman came out of Gillette, Wyoming. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He drove 10 hours overnight. He started at one in the morning. And he has a dog named Luca, who is his scent dog. She did air and ground scents. And he has a $50,000 drone that can see a candy wrapper on the ground. So, I mean, we went high tech on this. Like, we did everything we could. You know, so we had the trapper. And the tracker was a person that the trappers have used before. Mm -hmm. So, highly recommended. He does lost pets and he also does people. Mm. He came down, went to that area since we had a positive sighting within, it was like 24, 48 hours by this time. And he brought Luca out Mm. and Luca right away, he took a cutting of the blanket. So he Mm. had Bumble scent or for Luca and Luca said that those prints were Bumbles. Like, Mm. you know, it's amazing to watch these dogs work. What breed of dog is Luca? It was a mutt, but half pound. Okay. And then he had two other dogs with him. His old retired dog, which was a St. Bernard, that was Mm -hmm. a track dog, which Mm -hmm. is weird. But he was an ex-sheriff. So -hmm. I guess there's an organization that pairs up police with St. Bernard's. So that's Mm -hmm. where he got the dog from. And then he had a pit mix that he's trying to make a cadaver dog. But Luca said, yes, those are the prints. And she went right up to the interstate and stopped there. And he's like, I don't know about that. Like, let's do some more around the area. Mm-hmm. So we went up to the next exit and he normally doesn't take his dog on the interstate, but he had her track on the interstate and the dog, the scent was going back and forth over the interstate. So Bumble had gone across the interstate. I don't know how he wasn't hit because he was just going back and forth across the interstate. But Luca went right back to that spot, Mm. a side shoulder. So we figured he's like, this is where the scent trail ends. Now, scent dogs aren't always 100%, which obviously that was the case in this case, but they figured he was either deceased or somebody had picked him up. Mm. And I was like, well, the only way anyone was going to pick him up is probably if he was injured. Like maybe they hit him and they took him, which is not normal and common. But at that point, there was no other scent. But I asked Bill if he would bring it, send his drone up just to see. I mean, he was there. Let's use the awesome drone. And the thing was cool. But we searched that whole area and there was nothing. Now, we were searching during the day. And a lot of times dogs become nocturnal. Right. 
So it's very possible Bumble was hiding somewhere where a drone couldn't have seen him, like in a building. Mm -hmm. It was a heat-seeking thermal drone, so Mm -hmm. it can be heat. But a lot of times, if you're under a concrete pile or under the interstate or somewhere, there's very possible that you couldn't find him, which we didn't. So at that point, I'm like, well, you know, we weren't getting any more leads at this point. And I'm like, well, I'm going to fly home. So I flew home. I think it was the next day I flew home, just kind of defeated a little bit. You know, and Bill was like, I hate the fact that I can't give you a full answer of what happened to your dog. He's like, this is the worst thing ever. And he had told us he needed to come back to Nevada for another missing persons case. So maybe he'd go back out again and see if he could get anything else. But at that point, I was like, well, I might just need to come to terms with the fact that we might not ever know what happened to Bumble. And how long into his being gone was that, that you were at that point? Oh, probably about seven months, Nikki's telling me, because Nikki was part of this whole thing. She's been on the ground with me here. She's my Wells connection now. We're now become really good friends, probably about seven days into Mm -hmm. it. If the trail goes cold, you get to a point like how much more emotionally can I handle? And like, when do you stop? I wasn't to a point where I was going to stop, but it was time for me to go home and regroup and be okay with it if we weren't going to hear anything. You know, I was like, well, the scent dog isn't finding anything. We're not getting any more leads. We had Nikki here on the ground and she was going out to put stuff. We kept a feeding station out. Mm. So she was refilling it for us. There wasn't much more until we got another hit that we could do besides that. So we always had trams that were looking at the feeding station to see if the dog, and the dog wasn't coming into the feeding stations either. Mm. So I went home and I kind of feel like everything happens for a reason. I'm like, you know, I'm going to go home and we're going to get a call. And that's exactly what happened. And so sometimes I feel like you got to do these things so that you get something else to happen. Yeah. Change the vibe in the universe, like just with a tuning fork sometimes. Right. So we get a call from a girl named Jessica, who's the daughter to Juan. Mm. And Juan is a worker on that ranch. And Juan said that they were out on the south side of I-80. We had done a lot of the work on the north side. Like we had seen tracks right by the interstate, but we Mm. hadn't gone back out into that field because it wasn't plowed out for us to get back there at the time. The tracks that I saw were the snowbank that they had right. then plowed out to get to the little private ranch road because right. they had a backhoe back there that they needed to get out. Mm-hmm. So they had then not plowed that road. So we hadn't looked back there at all because we didn't have access to it. Mm-hmm. You know, we did it with the drone. Right. So Juan's daughter, Jessica, called me and said, well, you know, Juan has a flip phone. So Juan, he doesn't have a smartphone. So I'm calling you. My dad has seen your dog. And when they were back there working, Bumble had actually circled his truck. And also the ranch owner also called me and said, my ranch worker has seen your dog. And again, why signage is so important and flyers. We had handed out flyers. And a photo on the flyer, too. It was a dog in the picture. And a lot of people mistake Picards for coyotes. Right. But they're bigger than a coyote. And they have a different look. But, you know, Mm -hmm. to the untrained eye, they look kind of coyote-ish. But Juan's like, this isn't a coyote. Like, it's too big. And, you know, he's a ranch worker. He's seen many coyotes in his 30 years working 
for Kirk, who owns the land. So Juan said that he got pretty close to him, but, you know, he kind of went off. And so I booked a flight for the next day because this tip came in at night mm. and I was able to go to Salt Lake City, which actually is a lot, clo- it's a lot closer. closer than- <laughs> yeah. So I booked a flight. I had to get a night flight, unfortunately, so I couldn't get out the next morning, but I had a flight that landed at eight o'clock. And I met Trisha, who's with Trusted Trappers, who had me working with Jamie, mm-hmm. and I got her trap. So I rented a pickup truck, got her trap in the back, and hauled the wells so that mm-hmm. I had a trap for Jamie, who was going to come back down. Mm-hmm. Jamie was going to come back out on Tuesday because she couldn't get away from something she had in Boise at the time. But I had Nikki here, and I had another woman named Melanie who... Grace had got me in contact with that was a friend of Grace's that was on the ground helping me here as well. So again, like the people that helped us, I am indebted to them forever on this whole entire thing. So we went out and we had a meeting in the morning when I had the trap with Nikki. Nikki was with me. Melanie was with me on the ground. And then we had Trisha on the phone and Jamie and Christy, who has also been a big help here on the ground as well, on what the plan was. Like, what do we do now? We saw this dog. It was a mile back from where we could park because that road, driving that road, we got stuck on that road one day. So we had to have somebody come and <laughs> haul us out one day mm-hmm. with a backhoe. Nikki's friend had to come and backhoe us out one day because we tried to drive the road. Somehow Juan can get back there, but we can't. <laughs> mad skills, man, mad skills. <laughs> Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Okay, y'all. The Indy Winter Classic. Whoop, whoop. It's happening. Indianapolis, Indiana at the Indiana State Fairgrounds, February 2nd to 5th. Specialty shows. Dalmatians, Rottweilers, Dobermans, Malamutes, Poodles, Pomeranians, Shetland Sheepdogs, Field Spaniels, Supported Entries, Specialty Shows, Four Days of All Breed Shows. We've got National Owner Handled Series all four days. We've got Bred By and Puppy Groups. We've got four days of Beginner Puppy. We've got Pee Wee and Itty Bitty Plush Dogs, the cutest, on Saturday the 4th. 40-plus vendors for all of your shopping needs, free electricity, free grooming spaces. We've got eye and cardio clinics, plus paw print genetics and Blue Ridge Veterinary Imaging to complete all your clearances. Ana Frio is the superintendent. Here's the important thing you need to hear. This show closes January 18th. Four open shows, four all-breed shows, four owner-handled series shows, four days of beginner puppy. So I'm just repeating myself because this is pretty amazing. Admission is only $7 for spectators. Military, first responders, and kids under 12 are free. Tell everybody, get your entries in today. So we've set a trap up back at this kind of like pile of 
dirt that Juan had seen Bumble at. We set the trap back there, liquid smoked, put stuff in there, had the trail cam set up. And I was doing that with Melanie at the time. And she would come down kind of during the weekend. And Martin Luther King Day was on Monday. So she had the day. We still had to walk back. It was about a mile to where the trap was from where we could park. Yeah. So we were like, we need to get to the back fence. We're about in the middle of the pasture. I mean, this is a huge cattle pasture. Like if anyone saw my pictures, the place is huge. It's just abundance of sagebrush and wildlife and mountains and fields. It's Nevada. It's not like (laughs) people are like, why can't you find your dog? I'm like, it's literally like finding a needle in a haystack. I mean, there's nothing out there. Anyone who's never seen that area of Nevada has no concept of the vastness that it is. They're like, why aren't people seeing your dog? I'm like, because there's nobody out here. It's like just cattle fields. So getting the sighting was amazing Mm -hmm. enough that they Mm -hmm. just happened to be in the right place at Mm -hmm. the right time, you know, because that was new territory for us. We Mm -hmm. hadn't been back there before. And Juan, he's a great guy. Like, he's an angel. Juan is an angel. You know, he felt so bad that he hadn't gotten the dog when it was circling his vehicle or close by that he went out and drove and found that there were a lot of dog tracks at the back of that pasture. Mm. So our plan with Jamie, the trapper was like, we need to get a feeding station and a trail cam to the back Mm -hmm. of that pasture. And Nikki, my savior is like, I'm going to give you some snowshoes to try. I'm like, great. I've never snowshoed before in my life, but okay, let's go with this. So she gave me snowshoes and some other things to get to the back of the pasture because the snow back there was high. You're walking through the sagebrush. Our trap was where that road ended at the time. That fence is probably a good mile, mile and a half back through sagebrush and big drifts and such as well. And no trail. (laughs) So I'm like, okay. So Jamie and I went out there and we snowshoed in kind of the flat part because we saw some new tracks there. So we went back and Jamie's like, let's go cook. You always cook, fry bacon or cook meat or anything smelly. So we went back and she was cooking and Juan rolls up. He's like, it's my day off today. Like he scared us. I'm like, you know, who's this truck coming back here? But it was Juan. And Juan is like, you know, it's my day off. I'm going to look for the dog and help you look. So he's with his binoculars and he thinks he sees something at the back of the pasture and something was moving. It wasn't Bumble, just a little tease. It wasn't Bumble. So he's like, I'm going to put my different boots on and I'm going to get out there. And I'm like, well, I'm going to come with you because you want my scent out there. Mm -hmm. The less amount of people as possible, you want the owner's scent to be the predominant scent out there. So Juan like is putting his boots on and I'm fumbling with these stupid snowshoes trying to put them on. And I put them on backwards the first time and people I posted on Facebook are like, they're on backwards. I don't know. They worked better when they were on backwards than when they were on the right feet. But so I'm putting the snowshoes on and Juan is like across the field already. No snowshoes, just like hauling. And I'm like, oh, it's time to go. So I get on my snowshoes and I'm like, I'm not going to bring the poles because I also had some A1 and water mm-hmm. to make kind of a trail to try to get Bumble to come back in like on a scent trail. So Juan's just hauling across the field and I'm booking it, falling all over the place because I've never used snowshoes before in my life and I'm not good at it. 
They're not easy. I'll tell you, they're not easy. <laughs> Especially when he was in waist foot snow mm-hmm. and there's drifts and mm-hmm. sagebrush that you're going over, right? So it's not like you're on this nice trail. I was just going straight trying to catch up the wand. So we get to the back of the pasture and there's a beautiful canyon and a stream. So dogs, a lot of times they can smell a water source. So there were tracks all over back there. Like it was like a mecca of tracks and there was nothing you could tell if it was new or not. So we kind of went down the canyon and the water was there and all of a sudden Juan jumps the stream and I'm like, there is no way in hell I'm jumping a stream. I'm like, I'm going to fall in the stream and he's off into the next cattle pasture. Right. And I'm like, I'm just going to stay here. I walked back up the hill and I'm like, I'm just going to stand here and watch him. And I have a photo and I call it my where's Juan photo. Right. And he's like way the hell out in this pasture way, like across. And like, you have to really zoom in to see him. We had dinner the other night with his family and I'm like, Here's my where's Juan photo because he's just going crazy, right? He's a man on fire. And I'm standing there like an idiot in the <laughs> up on the top of the hill because I'm like, I can't jump the stream. There's no way. I'll fall in. But there was nothing in the pasture. So he came back up to me and we went on. We were kind of going back towards where the trap was, the original mm-hmm. trap. And the only thing I can think about, I was tired. It was a workout and I'm not used to elevation. We're 6,000 feet up here. So I'm exhausted and I'm a bodybuilder. So it's not that I'm not in good shape, but I don't do cardio. I'm not a cardio person. So like I was dying and all I could think about is like, crap, I left the dang camera that we were going to put back here, back at the trap. I do not want to come back here again. I was so exhausted. I was like, Mm. oh. Jamie is going to make me come back here again with these snowshoes and make me put a camera back here. (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to have to trek another mile and a half back here, which was fine. I would have done it. But that was the thoughts that was going through my mind at that time. I was Mm -hmm. so tired. So we start heading back and we kind of went a little bit more east Mm -hmm. and came across fresh dog tracks. And Juan's like, these are dog tracks. And I knew right away, too, they were big and they looked like bumbles. And at the time, I didn't realize it, but there was a stripe that was kind of in the snow with the dog tracks. And I'll explain why that's interesting later. But we started following those tracks and they went east and then they kind of went to the southeast corner of this big cattle pen. And Juan, you know, is using his binoculars and he's taken off and I'm falling all over the place like usual. I'm sure he was like, this woman is not even helpful at this point. But like, he was such a good sport. And so we kind of stopped at this point and we looked to the left and the tracks didn't lead there, but there was a ton of tracks around one little piece of sprig of sagebrush that was popping out out of the snow. And it looked kind of like coyotes had bedded down there like there was a lot of tracks a lot and you couldn't really tell because those tracks seemed older to me and there was a lot of them so Juan was like kind of looking up that way and I'm like I'm gonna go check this out too and I walk over there and I'm like wow look at all these tracks like it's crazy and I just happened to turn to the left and these eyes were looking up at me Mm. and it was Bumble and I was like am I hallucinating right now like because I stumbled upon Bumble. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? But if you saw the pictures on Facebook, he was so camouflaged in with that stage. He was sitting under a stagebrush. And 
there was dirt under him. So I think he was bedded down there for some time. Yeah. So I was like, oh my gosh, you know, what do I do now? Is this dog going to, you know, dart on me? Because mm-hmm. the last mm-hmm. bolted on me, right? And he was just kind of looking at me and I was kind of looking at him and I took a picture because I'm like, mm-hmm. nope, I believe this, that I just stumbled upon Bumble. And so I kneeled down and I kind of like crept. I didn't look at him. You don't make eye contact. Right. And I came at him non-threatening. Like I kind of came to him with my back a little bit, kind of inching and inching mm-hmm. and watching what he was going to do. Mm-hmm. And he got up and he looked terrible. Like mm-hmm. he was like crunchy and stuff and very thin. And I was like, oh gosh, don't run. Right. And he turns around and he goes around to the back of the sagebrush and starts peeing. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to let him pee. I'm not going to try to grab him when he's peeing. And I luckily, I have a pony who's really hard to catch. So I knew not to go straight at him. So I kind of went around this side to kind of get him in between me and the sagebrush again. Mm-hmm. And I fell down again. And I just, I'm like, it's now or never time, right? Like yeah. a move needs to be made. So I kind of put my hand up to him to see if he would sniff me. Because at that point, I didn't really know if he knew it was me or not. Mm-hmm. Because he was so dehydrated and his glucose was really low. I didn't know, like, are his senses still very good? Can he see me right now? And I just kind of put my hand out and he brought his nose up to my hand. And I'm like, I'm going to grab him. I don't know what he's going to do. You don't know. I'm like, if he bites me, he bites me. I don't care. And I grabbed his beard. And my dogs are used to getting, I always am grabbing at their beards and stuff. And I grabbed his beard and I'm like, oh my God, I caught him. And I didn't know it. And he was kind of standing up at the time. And I had a leash and I put the leash around him, just a slip lead around him. And he was fine with it. Like, it was just like, okay, that's fine. You know, and I I didn't know what to expect. So then I was like, okay, well, let's walk. And Juan was the smart one. He saw I found the dog. He went walking back towards the trap. And we weren't that far off from Bumble. Like, Mm. That trap wasn't that far. I mean, it was far to walk, but we were in the area, but we would have never seen him under that sagebrush. So Jamie was up and she's like looking up at the hill, like what's going on. And I was trying to get him to walk while he couldn't walk. Like he was just so dehydrated and such that he couldn't walk. So I picked him up and I walked through the sagebrush and all the snow And I'm huffing and puffing because it's like, it's tiring. But he was as light as a feather. He like had no weight on him at all. So I'm walking towards the trap and here comes Juan. Juan's like a Superman. Juan's like all of a sudden driving through the sagebrush with his truck. I mean, not very close to us, but closer than going all the way back Mm -hmm. to the trap. So I started walking towards Juan and he came out and he's like, let me take the dog. I'm like, okay. (laughs) So I was so tired at that point. And Bumble is big. I'm only 5'5". It's just awkward. I'm in these stupid snowshoes that I can't use. And you're carrying a 70-pound dog. Well, he was 49 pounds at the time. Oh, I know, but I'm saying. And he's big and just awkward for me, right? So I'm like, here you go, Juan. And Juan's not much taller than me. But I'm like, at least Juan, he's used to this altitude and stuff. So Juan got him into the truck. And we went back to my truck, which was parked closer. And put him in the back of the truck, got the traps and stuff and everything packed up. And I called the Elko vet mm-hmm. because they're the biggest and they're 40 miles away. Yeah. Everybody knew about, it's kind of funny because of all the signage we did and how much this went viral on social media, pretty much everybody knew. I'm like, 
I'm the one with the lost dog. And they're like, yeah, we know Bumble, right? And I'm like, I have him. I'm coming. He's in, in not mm-hmm. the best shape. So I drove 95 on I-80 to Elko, just hauling back to Elko and got him to Elko Vet. And we get in there and everyone's like, is that Bumble? Everybody knew who he was. It's a small mm-hmm. area. It's not a very populated area. Let's put it that way. So we got them to Elko Vet and they've been great with Mm -hmm. them. We ended up finding out like they pulled blood right away. Like we thought dehydrated, hypoglycemic, very, very thin, cold. His temperature was 92. That's not good. Yeah, I think if I remember correctly, it was not upward. It was in the 90s. I know that. And he weighed 49 pounds. He was a lean dog anyway, because Picards are not good eaters, but 65 pounds normally. So he Mm -hmm. had lost 16 pounds and his hip was dislocated, which they don't know how that happened. So it was amazing. And that's why there was a stripe when we saw the footprints. He was dragging his back. And I, at that time, didn't even realize it until I took pictures of everything. Because I'm like, I wanted to have for my memories Mm -hmm. as well. And the Facebook community had become so enamored with the story that I'm like, I felt compelled to tell them what was going on. And somebody set up a GoFundMe. I have a hard time asking for anything like help or money or anything. So one of my puppy owners was like, can I set you up a GoFundMe? I'm like, as long as you do it, I'm like, I won't ask for money. I had to ask for a lot of help during this. So it's probably, I've grown a lot. Bumble has helped me in that respect, but Probably not the way you wanted to have that journey, right? (laughs) No, no. I think therapy would have been a way better way to do it than this. Probably cheaper. Yeah, probably. Oh my gosh. So Bumble is safe. How is his prognosis? Mm -hmm. You said he's still there at Elko Veterinary. Yep. Yep. He will be there until all of his levels get, his liver values are not good right now, but that is very common just for a dog that hasn't eaten and has done that much exercise. His other levels, like his blood sugar is getting better. He's obviously rehydrating with, he's on IV fluids. Getting him to eat is the biggest thing. He's a Picard, which is difficult. He's on entice to try to entice him to eat. He did eat two breakfasts this morning. So that's a good thing. They are feeding him because he's picky he is on raw chicken. Like that's what he's getting. So I'm like, I'll probably have to feed him raw chicken for the rest of his life now. So, you know, he's not going to eat the dog, but whatever it takes. And so right now they can't do anything about the dislocated hip because they can't put him under anesthesia because oh, right. of his, all his values are off. So that hip has to wait until he can be put under anesthesia and they can try to pop it back into place. So that's unfortunate because I'm sure that's very painful for him. Oh, sure. So I went to visit him yesterday. I'm going to go up there again today. It snowed today, so we're waiting for the weather to get a little better. Mm -hmm. But he's tired. He slept the whole time. Like he came in, he put his head in my lap. He let me pet him and I was sitting on the ground with him. But he fell asleep. Like he ate a little bit and then fell asleep. You know, I can't imagine being out in... I mean, this is a harsh environment here. Yes, it is. Luckily, he's from Minnesota, so he's used to cold weather. At least the temperatures, yeah. Yeah, but not eating and doing that much exercise, you know, it took a toll on him. But they do expect he's going to do okay? They do. I mean, a lot of it is up to him and like how his liver values come back. So like Mm -hmm. right now, 
they think he'll be there at least another two to three days. Mm -hmm. But again, it just depends on him. And then they have to address the hip problem as well. So I told them whatever it takes, like whatever he needs, I'm not in any rush. I want him to be healthy so he can stay there as long as he needs to. Excellent. It's an incredible story. Like this is not normally how it happens for people. Like you don't upon your dog randomly in the desert like that's no. just not normally they come back into you yeah i give everybody like i mean i couldn't have done this without everybody but one like just <laughs> like he was just a man on a mission that day and like if we wouldn't have stumbled upon those tracks and if he wouldn't have come out to help who knows what would have happened i don't think bumble had much time left no he was in terrible, terrible shape. Either that or wildlife would have gotten him okay. because he was not in good shape. So yeah, it's a blessing. And I just said the stars and everything aligned just correctly for it to actually end up this way. It's a miracle. And the Nevada desert, man, definitely is. Yeah. Well, Donna, thank you for sharing your story. I sure. hope that everybody is able to take something away from it. If nothing else, the absolute joy and happiness that your Bumble is back. Yes, very much so. We are very, very, like I said, grateful. I breathe the sigh of relief and it's nice to wake up and not just feel sad. You know, now we just get to the next chapter and we get through that. So excellent. Well, I'm thrilled that you found him and he's doing well and best of luck with his continued recovery. And congratulations. That's a lot of hard work. (laughs) Yeah. I need to sleep for about a month now. Thank you, Donna. Like the NPR of dogdom, Pure Dog Talk is here for you. To make sense out of everyday things. To add nuance to your understanding and tools to your tech box. To bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. Pure Dog Talk patrons... Support the work we do here by contributing to our crowdsourcing campaign. In return for the generosity that keeps the MP3s rolling, patrons acquire special access, opportunities, and perks. The most recent addition for our patrons is Pure Pep Talk. These weekly mentoring messages are quick, upbeat, actionable tips and tools for your tech box. Visit www.puredogtalk.com backslash patrons to find out how you can join the best community in dogs. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers Desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.